0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. This segment is all about personal bankruptcy, and I know that those words can strike fear in your heart when you hear them. I know they do for me. It just sounds so awful, but... The message here is, one, it's not as bad as you think. Historically, frightening to hear those words, Uh, you know, shame, embarrassment, all that stuff. But Blair, his purpose in being here for this segment is he's going to walk us through the process. And by the end of it, ah, maybe you'll think it's not as bad as you thought it might be. And we know that um, personal bankruptcy can be the best solution for folks that are trying to deal with their debt the most effective, efficient way and uh, be able to move forward as a result. And so, Blair, can you start by explaining what does it mean to file for personal bankruptcy in British Columbia in 2023?
1: Well, well, certainly, Elaine. And it's definitely the case. Bankruptcy is always your last resort. So it's never the first thing that comes out of the toolkit when you think, oh, I think I might have a debt problem. You don't file bankruptcy the next day. But that being said, when other options aren't suitable, when you've been struggling for a period of time, uh, it's really good to know, well, what is this option of bankruptcy? It exists in Canadian law for a reason. And quite often, the specter of it, the idea about it is far worse than the actual reality. Uh, And bankruptcy just allows you to get that fresh start. So what bankruptcy does, it's a powerful legal debt forgiveness process that Canadians can access in situations where their debts have become unmanageable. When you file for personal bankruptcy, you get legal protection from your creditors and you get debt forgiveness that eliminates virtually all of your debts. So the point of a personal bankruptcy, and this is from the legislation, the wording, is to provide the honest but unfortunate person an opportunity to start fresh, free from unmanageable debt. Uh, bankruptcy is a federally legislated process. So there's small differences, province to province, but for the most part, it's consistent across Canada. And for most people, bankruptcy is simple, private. It's not something that goes in the newspaper typically, and only the people that know about it are those that need to know about it. Um, and it's quite often, it's finished in as little as nine months. Um, the eligibility uh, to, to file for bankruptcy in Canada is you have to owe more than $1,000 uh, and be insolvent, meaning that you're unable to repay your debts. And, you know, nobody I've ever seen files bankruptcy for $1,000 of debt, but some people file bankruptcy for five to $10,000 per debt, uh, where some people file it for millions of dollars of debt. So there's no upper limit, um, but you do have to owe at least $1,000. Um, There's no need for you to have overdue accounts or to be facing creditor harassment or a low credit score. Uh, For a lot of people, it's up to 70% of people that end up filing a bankruptcy. They actually have a strong credit score, but as they've learned, and I've learned in this job too, you can have exceptional credit and still have $80,000 of credit card debt that you may never be able to pay off, but you keep the exceptional credit just by making all your minimum payments every month. So it's not the case you have to be subject to a garnishment or collection activities, You can just have made that realization that I'm just never going to get out from under this debt burden of doing what I'm doing here. Uh, There are significant advantages to bankruptcy. So the reason why you'd go through a process like this is, well, first off, you get full forgiveness for just about every type of debt. Uh, You get to protect your assets and your income from creditors, including halting any wage seizures or court actions that are against you. Uh, You get to remove unaffordable debt payments from your monthly budget. So in general, the cost of doing a bankruptcy is very significantly less than what you'd be charged to pay your debts off in full. Um, And the whole idea of removing the debt stress. So the stress that you're under, having these burdens that you can't meet, getting you a financial fresh start that allows you to move forward with your life and achieve your future financial goals. Um, quite often, and there are many ways to get out of debt, but quite often bankruptcy ends up being the quickest and the least expensive option uh, of the formal debt resolutions to consider. So not to say that's everyone's best option is bankruptcy. It isn't. But if bankruptcy is right for you, it's typically not as expensive or long in duration as you might have thought.
0: Uh, I want to mention, too, you know, if you already know that this is your next step or you're almost 100 percent sure it is, then this is the phone number to talk to someone at Sands and Associates and they have offices all over British Columbia. It's 1-800-661-3030. I also want to suggest if you're not quite sure, maybe going to their website would be helpful. Uh, it's sands-trustee.com. It's just filled with such great questions and, and, uh, and answers that are easy to understand. Not, no big, you know, big language barriers for you at all. It's just really thoughtful, kind answers that may then spur you on to making that first appointment and you can do that on the website as well. Um, So Blair, what steps need to happen to file for bankruptcy at this point?
1: well just about every personal bankruptcy I've ever seen is considered voluntary meaning the person seeks out the services of a licensed insolvency trustee uh, it's possible to be forced into bankruptcy but I've literally never seen it in more than 15 years of being a trustee so in the vast majority of cases it's just the person decides this is the remedy that they want to pursue uh, you have to work with a licensed insolvency trustee to file for bankruptcy you don't need a lawyer you generally don't need to appear in court uh, but you do have to engage a trustee uh, and there are generally three steps, especially when you're dealing with Sands and Associates. So the first step is to have a confidential debt consultation. You'll speak with a qualified non-judgmental debt expert like a trustee or an estate manager. We'll go through all the issues you're hoping to resolve. uh, Outline your debts. What are your household and your income situations? What are your objectives and what's relevant to your circumstances? You really need to make sure you're getting advice from a licensed insolvency trustee or estate manager because they're the only people that are empowered to actually administer a bankruptcy, so even if you're discussing with, you know, a lawyer or an accountant, you might be getting partial guidance at best. So the best lawyers and accountants refer their clients directly to a trustee to make sure that the person is getting the best insight, the most up-to-date insights about how a bankruptcy process would work. So after step one, after that confidential debt consultation, um, step two is where you'd assemble some documentation and bring it back to the trustee. So there's a short information form that you would fill out um, outlining all the circumstances you discussed in the first meeting about your debts, your income, uh, your tax situation, all of your assets. Uh, And then you'd provide the trustee with some supporting documentation. So for each of the people you owe money to, hey, let's get the most recent bill. Uh, For your job, if you're working, well, let's get your most recent pay stub. Let's understand the entire situation. Once you provide that information to the trustee, trustee starts to prepare the official documents for filing. And that's the focus of your third meeting. So your third meeting is when you're able to start the bankruptcy process. You haven't paid anything to that point. There's been no obligation, everything confidential to there. And then once you sign the bankruptcy process, you stop having any responsibility to pay these debts directly. The trustee steps in the middle between you and your creditors and you deal with the trustee to successfully complete the personal bankruptcy process.
0: Okay. All right. So let's talk about how that works, how that process works. Um, I know that you've said it's, it's very straightforward for folks. Um, and, and that, you know, might be hard for someone to actually believe because it sounds like such a big, uh, overwhelming, complicated thing. But, but actually, when you get right down to it, it's, it's pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, you know, the the first thing that people think is, well, bankruptcy takes six, seven, 10 years. Well, no, it takes nine months for the vast majority of people, upwards of 80% of people when they file for bankruptcy from the day they're signing those documents to the day we're signing a certificate of discharge, which says they have no more debt and they're moving forward, everything left behind. uh, That period of time is just nine months. Uh, what happens during those nine months is as soon as you sign the documents, you've got the protection of the bankruptcy and your trustee starts to handle all of the creditor contact. So the trustee sends the creditors a copy of the bankruptcy filing and gets a claim back from each of the creditors that proves the amount of debt that, that's being suspended and then eventually eliminated. Uh, you keep in touch with your trustee and you have to do a couple of duties and there's just a couple things you have to do on a monthly basis um, to really make sure the bankruptcy will finish on time and give you the right financial rehabilitation the most important thing is you have to complete a basic monthly budget form that details your household income and your expenses so the trustee is not here to judge on how you're spending your money but the trustee will give you some insights if they notice something but will also have to validate are your is your income above or below low income guidelines because that's what's determines what determines how long you're in a bankruptcy proceeding so if it's somebody that's low income they're out of bankruptcy as soon as nine months. something that's not low income, they're in bankruptcy for a longer period of time because they have a higher ability to repay part of the debt. So you do the budget forms every month. Um, you have to make a regular payment to the trustee for the cost of the bankruptcy. Um, usually it's significantly less than what you're already paying on your debts. And if it's a nine month bankruptcy, those payments stop at the end of nine months. Uh, really important aspect too, aside from the budgets and doing the the uh, payments is you have to attend two financial counseling sessions. So they're private one-on-one sessions, about 45 minutes in length, and they're focused on helping you develop a household budget for the future, helping you set financial goals you can achieve after the bankruptcy is finished, and you have to attend both of those in order to complete the bankruptcy on time.
0: Okay. What what would you say are the biggest misconceptions that people have? I mean, we've touched on a couple, um, Mm -hmm. but what are the biggest ones that you encounter all the time that misconceptions about a personal bankruptcy and and how it would affect someone?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. So one, a lot of people think, well, bankruptcy would be great, but it won't help me because I owe this type of debt. And, you know, sometimes people assume, well, if it's a secured debt, you know, if it's a vehicle shortfall or a mortgage shortfall, well, that can't be part of a bankruptcy. Well, no, it can. If you have to default on a mortgage and the house is sold and they say you owe a bunch of extra money, that absolutely is a mortgage debt that can be included. Uh, Debt's owing to another person just because the person said, well, I would never accept a bankruptcy filing it really doesn't matter. They don't have any option. Um, Every debt that you owe that's a standard consumer debt can be included in a personal bankruptcy filing. A lot of people think debts to CRA can't be included in a bankruptcy. Nope, they absolutely can. Um, There's nothing in CRA's legislation that allows them to opt out of your right to get a financial fresh start. Um, Student loans, even ICBC debts. So don't make the assumption that bankruptcy can't help because you think you have a very unique type of debt. There are a couple of debts that can't be included. Things like child support, alimony family maintenance but you know that's about it. There's not too many other types of debt that really can't be included in a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. Uh, a second big misconception is that bankruptcy causes you to lose all of your assets, and it doesn't. In most cases, people keep all of their assets because there are provincial exemptions that allow people to keep their clothing and medical aids, their household items, their work tools, even a vehicle and a certain amount of home equity, RRSPs, and pension plans. All of those things you're typically in a better position to retain after a bankruptcy than before because you've got protection now from all of your creditors while you restructure.
0: Okay, and this question is for somebody who's sitting there listening to all this and going, okay, I'm really struggling with my debt. I I don't know about bankruptcy. What's the number one thing that they should do right now? Well,
1: They should just reach out for help. So you don't want to self-diagnose. You can make yourself crazy reading everything on the internet about every topic. There are certain trusted sources you can come to and a licensed insolvency trustee is your best resource. Your best ally will meet with you at no cost, no obligation, and with no judgment to review all of the options. And if bankruptcy is right for you, we'll help you go forward.
0: Excellent. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. I want to mention the phone number if your next step is to make that call. It's 1-800-661-3030 or check their website. You can also make an appointment through that, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. We're going to talk about options for consumer debt relief really answer the question, what can I do if I need debt relief? You know, often people struggling to pay off debts and even manage monthly payments don't know where to go for help. And we get kind of get inundated with commercials about all kinds of things, but is that the best choice? But the cool thing is that Sands & Associates President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee Blair Manton is going to talk about different strategies and resources that we as consumers have for debt relief. So Blair, can you start by telling us a bit about what a licensed insolvency trustee does and who you actually help?
1: Yes, certainly. So a licensed insolvency trustee is the only, and I'll say that again, the only government regulated and endorsed debt help professional. So there's about 1,000 licensed insolvency trustees in Canada, all of them subject to a very rigorous course of study, um, you know, ongoing professional development, regulations, all of those things. But what it means to consumers is if you're having trouble with a debt situation, a licensed insolvency trustee is your best ally, the most qualified person, uh, subject to regulations, the person that's going to give you the straight goods and what are your options, what's enshrined in Canadian law, what can you do on your own. So when you, see, when you sit down with a trustee, you get reliable, trustworthy advice. Um, and you know you're in the right place because we can explore all the options that are in Canadian law to assist you as well as be conversant on other options that are outside of what a trustee can help with but we can still give you advice and that's what we're going to talk on a little bit today or what are all these options that are out there that may or may not include working with the trustee uh, what's important for people to realize in terms of who we help is you know we do help people that are in extremely difficult financial situations you know their wages are being taken assets are being seized you know perhaps they're they're really worried about even you know paying rent next month but that's not the majority of individuals for the most part it's people that have been dealing with a non-extreme debt problem but that can be equally overwhelming and can often last for years so what i mean by sometimes a non-extreme debt situation is not immediately that your wages are being taken but when you look every month you're not able to pay much more than the required minimum monthly payments on your credit cards you may think that that's okay but trust me after a couple of years of not seeing your debts go down you'll start to get pretty frustrated on that Um, Oftentimes, we see people that are making payments and then using their credit again, which keeps them in a cycle of debt dependence. Uh, Sometimes we meet with people that have consolidated their debt, but that consolidation hasn't worked because they've had to incur uh, more debt on their cards they had consolidated, and now they're in a worse situation. Um, In general, trusting your gut makes a whole lot of sense. You know, if you're feeling stressed out anxious or overwhelmed by your debt or your financial situation. Um, all of these types of factors are things that cause someone to reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee. Um, and the key thing is that very few people reach out at the first sign um, of danger or first sign of discomfort. Quite often they wait and they suffer for a very long time, but the earlier you reach out for help, the more options, the better you're going to feel, the better that, that meeting is going to be when you do have it with a licensed insolvency trustee. So I encourage people not to wait, even if you think your situation is not that bad. You're paying just minimums each month. That's a huge warning sign if you're just paying minimums that you're really not going to advance yourself financially
0: claire well, has got a great list of, uh, of options for debt relief coming up. But you know what? If you already know that you've been described in the beginning of this segment and you want to take some action and, and do something and, and know that Sands and Associates is your answer, I'm going to give you the website at sands-trustee.com and the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. Okay, Blair, so let's talk about the options that are available for folks uh, really looking for some sort of debt relief.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the most popular option that people usually start first with is to try to get a consolidation loan. So what we mean by getting a consolidation loan is when you combine all of your debts into one new loan, so you usually find a bank that's going to pay off all the other people you owe money to, and you're going to pay that new bank just one single payment each month. So what are the advantages? Well, now you've got one single interest rate where you might have had a bunch of debts that you were juggling at various different interest rates, and hopefully that interest rate is much lower. That's the idea of consolidating, Is you might take a bunch of credit cards that are 19 and 20 or 29 percent or even higher and maybe reduce it down to 12 percent or something along those lines. So consolidation can sound very good as an attractive um, option, but it's not without its challenges. Um, the biggest issue um, is qualifying for a consolidation loan because you can imagine that new bank that you're approaching to pay off all of your other debt, they're gonna be wondering, well, if you couldn't pay off that debt with the, that you incurred with the current interest rates, what's to say that the new bank is going to get paid off even at a lower interest rate? So they generally have some pretty stringent criteria to qualify for a consolidation loan that has any sort of reasonable interest or repayment rate. Some people that I've seen, they said, oh yeah, I was able to go to an alternative lender to consolidate and my interest rate is 47%. And oh. that makes no sense if you're consolidating debt at 29%. Uh, but sometimes the way that things are pitched to the individual, they didn't see all the charges. It's only when we examine the contract in detail. So make sure that if you do qualify for consolidation, it is at an appropriate rate and a reasonable term. Uh, but what you also need to be care of is sometimes the way the approval is positioned is, okay, you're approved, but there's just one little thing that we need to do. Oh, what's that? Well, we need to get a cosigner on here because we want to make sure that we're protected in case you don't pay. The amount of meetings I've had with individuals, who said they never understood the implications of what being a cosigner means. They didn't understand it's not 50-50 liability, it's considered joint and several liability, which means if you've gotten someone to cosign your consolidation loan and you're unable to pay that consolidation loan, the new bank could approach your cosigner for 100% of the debt, even though it might've been positioned, oh yeah, they're just signing as a cosigner, they're half responsible. No, they're fully responsible. So be very careful if you're being asked to get a cosigner to cosign the loan and also be careful if you're being asked to surrender assets. Sometimes um, you're being counseled to cash in RRSPs or something along those lines. Those could be protected assets that could never be touched. So make sure that you've gotten good advice. You can validate anything with a licensed insolvency trustee, but most of the situations that I've seen, people try to get a consolidation loan, uh, and often the only way they can be approved is by doing a cosigner, and we generally recommend against it. You're just enlarging your financial problem and putting in another element of often emotional and wrought family relationships, which just don't need to be a part of this.
0: Got it. What about the credit counseling plans? Because we often see uh, uh, advertisements for those in all kinds of places. How do they work, and are they a good idea?
1: You know, every option can be good given the right circumstances. The thing to know about credit uh, credit counseling plans is that in general the best you'll be able to achieve um, is an elimination of ongoing interest on your debts. So in a lot of cases that can sound great. Well you know I was paying 20% interest now it's going to get it down to zero. uh, You know and that can be good. So if your situation is such that you could pay off all your debt in full but it's just the interest that is causing you a challenge. Well then a credit counseling plan can be a good alternative um, to consider. Um, but there can be some draw- drawbacks as well um, so first off a credit counseling plan isn't free so even a not-for-profit organization is going to charge fees and you want to make sure that those fees don't exceed the interest that you're actually saving so make sure you do the math that you know you do get value for money on the fees uh, you also need to be aware that because credit counseling is not legally sanctioned this is just an informal arrangement between you and your creditors facilitated by um, you know a middle person like a credit counselor um, they've got no ability to deal with a number of very important debts so the government for example for student loans taxes serve overpayments or anything like that they will never deal with the credit counselor so if you've got a bunch of debts you know a significant component of which might be to the government the credit counseling plan might only solve part of your issue and might still leave you in a very tough financial situation Um, And you need to be aware that there's a severe vacuum um, in terms of regulation of who can call themselves a credit counselor, what are they subject to, what is the dispute resolution, what's your recourse if something goes wrong? Uh, The answer is almost nothing if you're dealing with a credit counselor. There's very little uh, regulation that has any teeth in it, so you do need to be very careful that if you do deal with a credit counselor, it's a reputable, established agency that you can trust.
0: Okay the last option uh for folks is the debt settlement agreement and it sounds um it, it sounds like it's very uh, I, you know not I don't want to say special but kind of very very serious uh but it's something that we've heard about before there's a couple of them in there and there's got to be a good advantage to using a debt settlement agreement i mean it just sounds like a better option than credit counseling plan or consolidation plan
1: Yeah, again, depending on the circumstances, definitely three or four years ago, I saw a whole lot more debt settlement than I see these days. And what debt settlement is, um, is where you work with an agent uh, who's going to say, okay, you owe a creditor amount of money. What I want you to do is stop paying them anything, and I want you to start putting money into a savings account that we're going to set up together here. Um, And then what happens is after you've accumulated some money in that savings account, maybe it's been a year or two where you haven't been paying your debts, but you've been saving some money, the debt settlement agent will go to the people that you owe money to and say, okay, okay, you haven't gotten money for about a year. Um, How about we give you some portion of the amount owing? You know, maybe it's 30, 50, 70 cents in the dollar. It definitely depends. Uh, If they're successful, then they facilitate an agreement where you've just paid off a portion of the debt. But what happens, and the people that I see in my office, is quite often people aren't successful with debt settlement. They find it very difficult to save money on an ongoing basis to have that lump sum to offer as a settlement. Um, And oftentimes when the creditors aren't getting paid, they just don't sit there on their hands for a year. Year. They harass you. They threaten you. They often can take legal action. It can be to the point where your wages are being seized and you think you're working with an agent who's doing things on your behalf, but really nothing is happening. Um, and what's even more sometimes frustrating too, is generally the fees payable are payable whether they are successful or not. So you may not get anything back from what you paid into the debt. So you've got to be very careful there. Um, So in general, it would be a very specific case where you're either able to save a lump sum or maybe somebody has a lump sum of money available that they will give you to make a one-time offer to pay off your debt for cents on the dollar. But I've seen very few situations where it's a better option than a consumer proposal would be.
0: Got it. See, I thought it was something that sounded, it sounded really good, but yeah, it seems like dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee and getting somebody like you or Sands and Associates to give a hand or to show some direction on what to do. That seems like it's the smartest thing to do. Like you, a licensed insolvency trustee, you have that ability and that power and that strength and the law behind you, uh, to take the action that sounds like needs to be done more times than not.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing that I, I'm most proud of, Elaine, is that, to me, a consumer proposal has all of the benefits of every option that we've talked about. You're consolidating all the debt together. It's simple. It's with one payment. It's the zero interest, and it reduces the debt to the portion you can actually afford to pay, and it's all legally sanctioned and deals with all of your debts at once. So the challenge that we have is sometimes have people, if they sit down with a credit counselor, credit counselor only makes money if they sell a credit counseling plan, so sometimes they won't even inform you of a consumer proposal, or they'll demonize a trustee is someone you'd never want to go and see. So I just encourage everyone to overturn all the stones, sit down with a, a licensed insolvency trustee. We'll explain to you about credit counseling, about consolidation, but also give you the very straight guidance on what a consumer proposal could do for you, or if the situation is such that bankruptcy is the right option, we'll take you through that as well. Our objective is to help you have a financial recovery, whether that includes our solutions or not. We just want the best for each
0: sounds great a debt help without judgment it's really that simple folks connecting with somebody an expert from sands and associates so i'm going to give you the phone number again it's 1-800-661-3030 go to the website sands-trustee.com book your free confidential consultation and get started with your debt-free plan you're listening to dollars and cents with blair manton from sands and associates helping you get out of debt so Blair, let's start at the very beginning and talking about a consumer proposal, because we know, you know for sure, that there's lots of folks who kind of, I know that when I mention it, oh yeah, I talk about consumer proposals with Sands & Associates, and they look at me and go, what's a consumer proposal? And you'd think that it would be a little more common, but in fact, it's not. So let's talk about the process that a consumer proposal gives someone uh, and how you can consolidate and cut your debt up to a significant amount it's really quite something
1: Mm -hmm. Well, a consumer proposal, I often say it's the best debt solution, the most powerful debt solution you may never have heard of. And we've been doing this show a number of years now, Elaine, and I I get so thrilled when we get the chance to talk about proposals because day in, day out, I get to see see clients' eyes light up literally when I can explain to them bankruptcy is not your only option. There's this great option called a proposal, which allows you to avoid bankruptcy. And what it actually does is it consolidates all of your debt together. It gives you one single interest-free repayment plan that's based on what you can actually afford to repay. In very few cases can people afford to pay off their total debt. In most cases, people are paying off somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. So people walk in feeling like they've got this insurmountable amount of debt literally around their neck, dragging them down. And we explained to them, well, a consumer proposal is going to bring those high interest charges to zero. You're only going to have to deal with the trustee, not deal with any of your individual creditors and let's figure out what your budget can absorb you know maybe you can't afford to pay back the debt in full but can you afford to pay back 25 cents in the dollar? Quite often, yeah, that's a good amount of money that's going to allow someone to have a reasonable standard of living. So quite often people cut their debt by up to 50 to 80% and the monthly payments, they're never any longer than a five-year term. So this is not a proposal for the rest of your life by any means. It can be as short as even just a few months or even just a single payment if it's a lump sum situation where even a friend or family member wants to help you get out of debt and you can reduce the debt significantly with a consumer proposal and then get help from a third party to pay off that reduced amount. Uh, some of the big advantages to the proposal along with just you know really cutting the debt down to what you can afford is it can consolidate virtually all of your debts. So a lot of people are surprised to learn that everything from credit cards, payday loans, overdraft, even government debts like SERB overpayments, taxes, and GST, even student loans, aside from filing for bankruptcy, a proposal is the only means somebody would have to restructure a debt owing to the government. When you do a consumer proposal, because you're not borrowing any money, you don't need to have a perfect credit history. A lot of people come into us and they actually have great credit. They never miss payments, but they just know they'll never pay off their debt. But that's not a requirement. You can be at any stage in a consumer proposal. You just have to be in a situation where you're not able to pay the debts back in full. And just to give you an example of a real consumer proposal that we filed recently, um, this was someone that came in to see us, owed just over forty two thousand dollars of consumer debts and their minimum monthly payments were over twelve hundred dollars each month. And they were getting nowhere. They were looking at their, their statements each month and it would say, you know, decades for each of the debts to be paid off. They were able to do a consumer proposal that reduced their debt by 55%, took them from over $42,000 to $18,600. And their new monthly payment, just wait for this, it went from $1,200 per month to $310 per month. That 1200 would have been for decades. The 310 was over in a five-year payment term. So it's just a life-changing type of a plan without a bankruptcy. You can get back on track and deal with any of your consumer debts by filing a consumer proposal.
0: And to me, that just says it's something that is so flexible. The, the process, the thing itself is so flexible, so custom-tailored to exactly what your situation is. And that's got to be a, a huge relief for people Folks, when they actually sit down and start looking at the numbers, and you say, okay, this is what we can do.
1: Yeah, a proposal is applicable to anyone where their debts are between $1,000 and $250,000. So, a very, very wide range there. And the table stakes or the ability to do the proposal is just you legitimately have to not be able to pay off the debt in full. So, if you're struggling with your debt and it's more than $1,000 and less than $250,000, you should be talking to a trustee to at least investigate this option.
0: And this is how you do that very easily. Give Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030. And you can check out their website as well and make an appointment through that. And it's sands-trustee.com. I'll also mention that Sands & Associates has offices literally all over the province. So very accessible for you, regardless of, of if you live in the Lower Mainland or well outside the Lower Mainland as well. So what's first steps for somebody who's, who's decided this is the route that I want to go?
1: Well, the first thing is to know clearly that you can't do a consumer proposal yourself. You need your best ally, which will be a licensed insolvency trustee local to your province. So if you're in B.C., as you mentioned, Elaine Sands & Associates is the firm of choice. We can see you at any part of B.C., either by video, telephone or in person at a local office. And generally, when you meet with a trustee, especially at Sands & Associates, you're gonna have about three meetings just to figure out the options. The first meeting is a free confidential debt consultation where you'll sit down with a trustee or a qualified estate manager, someone highly experienced in putting together consumer proposals, and also someone very empathetic and non-judgmental who understands, well, you know, life happens and there can be a financial impact to life happening and what people need is support and compassion uh, rather than judgments. that's really the approach that we try to take. When you have that first meeting, the, the, the representative, the trustee, or the estate manager is going to discuss all of your options with you. So, whether it's just you need to budget a little bit better, whether it's so severe, maybe bankruptcy is the best option. Or if you're like 90% of people these days in the province of BC, let's see if this consumer proposal can be an option. Literally nine out of 10 people that see a trustee these days choose to file the consumer proposal. By the end of that first meeting, the trustee or estate manager will have worked out a good estimate of that consumer proposal, and then we'll give you a roadmap on how you can potentially move forward. All of that is confidential um, and at no charge to you. Uh, The second step is you would say, okay, that sounds good. Let's have our second meeting. And at that second meeting is when you'd review a bunch of information with the trustee. So the first meeting, you're going to tell us, you know, who you think you owe money to and how much, and you're going to tell us what you think your budget looks like. The second meeting, you're just going to bring some proof of those ideas, of those items. So you're bringing your most recent statements for your debts, your most recent tax return, pay stubs, all very logical things to help the trustee understand your household budget and the financial debt situation that we're going to help. With Once we have a good second meeting reviewed all of your documents, the trustee gets started to prepare all the proposal documents and still you haven't paid anything and everything's been confidential at no obligation. Uh, The third meeting is when you meet to sign the proposal documents. So most people are meeting over video these days with digital signing, but we can help whichever way the client would like. At that point, you sign off on the proposal, you stop making any of your debt repayments, and the only payments you're responsible to the trustee to make are those proposal payments, which start within 30 days of you signing the documents. So earlier we gave an example of a proposal, which I believe it was about $315 per month of payments. That's all that person is responsible to pay, and those payments start in the month following you signing the proposal. So it's about three meetings in some cases where the situation is incredibly severe, maybe someone's been taken to court and their wages are being seized we can have these meetings in the matter of a couple of days and act very quickly if we have to stop to protect somebody Uh, but many times it's over a space of two or three weeks let's meet this week let's meet next week and then let's sign the proposal when you feel better or feel good about it the following week so relatively straightforward three-step approach
0: okay so that's done you've got all the information signed filed very official then what happens what happens after that point Blair
1: well the trustee takes over communications with the creditors so once the proposal is signed you no longer have to deal with any of your debts and then your creditors vote on the proposal in almost every case literally 95 out of 100 they accept the first offer in the consumer proposal once that proposal is accepted and we just need by 50 percent by dollar value to say yes Once we get that threshold, you just start executing the terms of the proposal, which are just making those monthly payments and attending two financial counseling sessions, about 45 minutes in length. Great information to help you move forward with good financial habits, put everything in the rearview mirror. That's the sum total of your obligations in a proposal. You keep all of your assets, do your taxes normally. All we do is restructure the debt and give you some really good counseling, too.
0: And I want to throw in here, as we, as we wrap this segment up, only a, a licensed insolvency trustee is going to be able to facilitate a consumer proposal. Nobody else, right?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Really important to remember out there in the, in the world of advertising. Uh, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. One of my favorite topics... Paying off credit card debt, where to start and what you can do. And the reason why, Blair, I think it's just so important, and, and I'm telling you something you already know, uh, credit card debt is like one of the most common, if not the most common reason that people get into uh, a debt situation that becomes overwhelming is, is due to those darn credit cards, Right.
1: Well, absolutely. I can't think of anybody I've helped to file a bankruptcy or proposal in, in the last year or so that has not had at least one credit card. And in the space of my career, it's probably just a very small small number of people, maybe just somebody with a, a huge ICBC debt and nothing else. Almost everybody ends up having a credit card debt. And in some cases, that's all people have. It's just a credit card that led to another They were maxed out, they got another credit card, and then suddenly they're dealing with debt that's just snowballing on its own because of the high cost and the high interest charges.
0: And I don't want to be mean here, but it seems that the credit card uh, process is is, we're almost set up every time we get one. I mean, they make it often so easy to get a second one or a third one or the first one for that matter, that of course it's something that everybody uh, could potentially struggle with.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, we could probably spend uh, the entire segment just talking about the concerns I have with how credit card companies do business. But, you know, talk about who, who are the biggest sponsors on your first week of school and university. It's the credit card companies. And, you know, these by definition are students with no assets, no job, no income. But we want to give them high interest financing as quick as we can. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some cynicism, uh, from me in saying that, yeah, it can be a little bit too easy, um, to get hooked on easy credit. And then when you think about whether it's an airline or even a lot of restaurants, oh, we don't do cash anymore. So, you know, you really do have to have a payment card, whether that's, you know, a visa debit or something, but it's quite often easy. It's just to have that unsecured credit card that just becomes this, uh, fact of life that, hey, you tap the card instead of reaching into your wallet for the money that you used to feel a bit of pain parting with some of those bills rather than just that tap that feels the same, whether it's five dollars or fifty dollars.
0: Absolutely. And I just want to throw in here, having gone through the pandemic, grocery shopping, it, to now actually opening my wallet or purse and giving them cash for it, it's like such a foreign thing. And they're kind of looking at me and I'm thinking, is it okay if I give you money? And they're <laughs> going, of course it is. Uh, just let me, you know, count it out for you. It's like crazy.
1: Yeah, we're losing that skill, yeah.
0: <laughs> we are. I think everybody is, not just the consumer, but the people on the other end of it. Anyways, okay, so let's talk about credit card debt. And uh, what's the first thing that you recommend for folks?
1: Well, I think the first thing is just to really make sure you have an understanding of how credit cards work and how quickly they can get out of control. So when you use your credit card for a purchase and you don't pay the balance off in full, the purchase has just become more expensive with the added interest charges and the balance continues to roll over and over, accrue more interest, interest upon interest, so to speak. So you can end up, if you have a very high balance on your credit card, your monthly interest charges can even push you over your credit limit. So not from purchases, just from again, interest act on interest. And you should understand too, if you start to miss some payments or make a payment late, uh, some credit cards have clauses where suddenly their interest rate will go even higher. So not only are they going to ding your credit report for missing some payments, but now it's going to get harder each month um, to get that, that credit card actually paid down. Um, A couple of examples of really how minimum payments are not designed to get you out of debt at all, they're designed to maximize the amount of money credit card companies will eventually get from you, is if you had just a thousand dollar balance on your credit card at 18%, which is a very typical credit card interest rate, and a lot of them are higher these days, that could be 10 years to pay off with just minimum monthly payments. So, you know, who would think that 10 years is a reasonable timeline to pay off just a thousand dollar debt? I don't think anybody, If you're sitting there just not paying attention every month and thinking that your minimum payments are making progress, they're definitely not. If that $1,000 was from one of the big department stores where their credit cards are 29.9 interest in many cases, that's suddenly 25 years to pay off. So you just really have to understand if there's one thing, please understand that minimum payments, if you're stuck in that cycle, you're going nowhere fast and that's a big warning sign that you actually need some help.
0: Yeah. And that's when you, that's when you get a hold of somebody at Sands and Associates and say, this is my situation. What can I do about that? And if you want to do that, it's so easy. Here's the phone number. It's a 1-800 number, 661-3030, or go to the website, sands-trustee.com. It's filled with great questions and very well understandable answers uh, it, to really define your situation a little bit better if you're still unsure. That's a great way to go and then give them a call. So what are some of the strategies that folks are using these days to get their credit cards paid off?
1: Yeah, a couple things you can consider, you know, one, if the situation is not very severe yet, and hopefully doesn't get that way, you can negotiate or try to switch uh, even with a different lender to a lower interest rate. So even something like a two to 3% drop in your interest charges, that can have a big difference in helping you pay off your credit card debt easier. If your balances are reasonably low, and you haven't been missing any payments, I would consider contacting your credit card issuer and just asking them, hey, can you guys do anything better on this interest rate? Do you have any? other products I should be considering and the customers that have made their payments on time been longtime customers they can see there's good value in that relationship they're often able to negotiate a lower rate You want to be prepared before you make that call. So do some interest rate comparisons. You know, if you just do a quick Google search of, you know, low rate interest card, credit cards in Canada, you'll find a bunch of really good resources and you can say to your bank, well, okay, it's great that you're dropping it to 15 percent for me, but I can see this card. I can apply for tomorrow at 12. Really not like to leave you guys. What can you do? And suddenly you might find that there's some good options for you to consider with your existing bank. Uh, one other option to consider is if one of your cards has a lower balance than the others will be to look at doing a balance transfer. Uh, you want to be careful here that there's not going to be any fees associated with that because sometimes there can be a one-time fee. and can be as low as 1% or as high as a few multiples of that, and that can make things a little more expensive than what you would think. Uh, and make sure it's not just a promotional rate that within a couple months it's going to be higher than the card you transferred it from. So definitely trying to negotiate or reduce the interest rate is one option. Uh, Another option to consider is to really prioritize the highest interest cost debt that you have. And you've got to make all your minimum payments each month if you're not going to be filing with with Sands & Associates for a proposal, which we'll talk about if you're going to try to pay things off yourself. But if you're able to carve out extra money in your budget and actually pay more than the minimum payments, what you'd want to do is really prioritize whichever card is costing you the most each month. So put a list together of all of your cards with their minimum payments, account numbers, balances, and then interest rates and decide if it's an extra $50 or $100 every month that you can pay beyond just the minimum payments. Put 100% of that extra payment to the highest interest card until that one is paid off and then move on down the line to your, your next highest interest card, so on and so forth.
0: And you mentioned talking about, you know, filing a consumer proposal to consolidate and, and get rid of that credit card, credit card period as well as other debts is, is, is a, is a wonderful step to take if that's your situation.
1: Well, absolutely, Elaine, and that's often the step that people need to take because quite often when I meet with someone, there's no ability to make even the minimum payments or any more than those. Um, and if they just say, "Well, we can't pay more than the minimums," I don't think anybody should be paying a thousand dollars off for ten years plus, and it just goes up from there. So filing a consumer proposal, as anyone who listens to the show knows, it's going to consolidate the debt, reduce the balance to what you can afford, and bring the interest literally to zero. So every dollar that you pay in a consumer proposal goes directly. Directly to reduce that debt and it's often a significantly lowered amount of the debt as well so people can have life-changing transformations in their financial situation in a matter of just a few short years by doing a consumer proposal.
0: Okay so let's say that now I want to start using my credit card again I've gone through the process how do you I, I, I don't know how a, a person in this day and age can do that easily and I know we've just got a, a few seconds left but what do you recommend?
1: Well, a secured credit card is a great way to start. That's a card where you have a deposit and your limit only allows you to go up to that deposit limit. So that can be a way that makes sure you're never going to get into trouble. So a secured credit card, you can get them at no fee through a bunch of banks or online. That's a great option to, to consider.
0: You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time.